Lessons. Jump on the handlebars. I'll give you a lift. Oh! It's unsafe to ride with someone on your handlebars. You might be right, Goliath. Oh! Okay. Just this once. Be careful, Davy. No worries. Everything happens for a reason. What's up, A30 folks? We good? We knew after two weeks of not seeing any of those videos, you were missing them, so uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, man, it's great to be here with you guys. Uh, missed you last week. Great to be back. Before we dive into the message, I want to mention one thing really quickly, if I can. Uh, last week, we started announcing that this summer, we are going back to one evening gathering instead of two evening gatherings. Uh, man, it's been really encouraging over the past several months since we launched the second evening gathering to see attendance increase by about 100 people in the evenings. Um, but, but we're still kind of short of where we had hoped to be, especially in our 6 o'clock service. And since summer attendance usually dips here uh, by about 15 to 20%, we just thought it'd be best for everyone in the summer months to go back to one gathering, not only those attending, but also those serving. So I know if you're a regular 830 person, this has nothing to do with you, but we do need your help spreading the word, all right? So you can at least share our Facebook post, tell people uh, that we're going back to one evening gathering at 5 o'clock. That'll start June 7th, so just know that's right around the corner, all right? Well, listen, today we are in week five of a series called Dumb Things Smart Christians Believe. And if this is your first time at Cross Point, or maybe your first time in a long time, you should know that the goal of this series has been this— to lay to rest certain spiritual myths or false beliefs that many people base their lives upon and to instead learn what's true from the Bible. You see, you can be that person with the best intentions in the world. You can want to make wise decisions. But if you're trying to make life's decisions based on bad assumptions or faulty information, it won't be long before you start making some dumb decisions. And if what I'm saying is unclear or confusing, listen, don't worry. It'll all start to make sense as we unpack this dumb belief for today. See, today's dumb belief, I'm confident of this, it's something we've all heard before. And I guarantee you it's something that many of us in the room have probably said to another person at some point in our lives. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was talking to a Christian business owner from our community, and he busted this one out on me, right? He, he was telling me about one of his family members who had just been diagnosed with cancer. Her prognosis wasn't good, and as he was explaining to me all the horrific things this disease was doing to her body, how quickly she was deteriorating. Here's what he said, dumb belief number five. Well, James, I'm just trusting that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. He was suggesting with this statement that, that somehow God was the one responsible for striking down his family member with cancer and that this thing that seemed like a really bad thing was, was in reality a really good thing. Now, again, show of hands, how many of us have heard someone say this, especially in a situation similar to the one I just described? Yeah, we've all heard it, haven't we? Now, I won't embarrass you and ask you who all has said it, but, but we've all heard it. 
Here's how this usually plays out. Tragedy hits. Someone gets sick. uh, An accident happens. Someone loses a life, a family member, a job. And somebody speaks up. And here's what they say. Well, we can't really ever know what God's up to. But he must be up to something good, right? I mean, we don't know how God works, but, but we just have to trust that, that this really bad thing is somehow a blessing in disguise. Everything happens for a reason, right? Listen, can I just go ahead and tell you right out of the box today? That's a dumb thing to believe. The Bible teaches that God, he is sovereign in all things. Meaning, listen, meaning that he is the ruler of heaven and earth. He has complete power and complete control over everything. Nothing that happens uh, happens outside of, of his power and his control. But please hear me, look. Just because God is in control of everything doesn't mean that God is the cause of everything bad that happens in our lives. And can I just tell you that believing otherwise will land you in some really dangerous territory. Just a few years ago, some people in my life who I love deeply deeply walk through a really trying season of life, probably a year or more, just of tragedy after hardship after trial. And along the way, they started believing, well, everything must happen for a reason. And they started blaming all of their pain and all of their problems on God. They started asking those questions that a lot of people always ask when they're going through hardship. Well, God, how could you? God, why would you? God, why did you? And over time, they started to become angry at God. They stopped taking any responsibility for their own choices, for their own actions. They started finding and looking for hope in all the wrong places. And as a result, they bailed on God altogether. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Like maybe you're here, you're suffering, you've gone through hardship after trial, after painful experience, and as a result, you are mad at God and you're trying to make sense of what's going on in your life. Listen, if that's you, can I just tell you, I am so glad you're here today. I truly believe that God has you here on purpose for a purpose. And I've been praying leading up to today that God would do something in your life that might leave you forever changed. Listen, if you're the person that believes this, I just want to stop and pray right now for you that God would do something in your life to free you up. Can we just do that? Can we do that? God, um, I'm just asking that you would be here with us. God, I, I would imagine in a room like this that there are people here who are hurting, who are suffering, who are walking through hardship, who have experienced pain, who, who are going through trials right now. God, and as they're trying to make sense of it all, God, I, I'm just praying that, that you would overwhelm them with your presence today. God, that you would show up in love and in grace. God, that you might move in a way, God, that, that, would, that would speak loudly and clearly of who you are, of who you desire to be for them. And so, God, we're just trusting you. Uh, God, with, with this message, we're trusting you with our lives, and we are asking you to move in a way that only you can. And so, God, we love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, here's the deal. If what I'm telling you is true, And all the bad stuff that happens in our lives uh, isn't caused by God. The question we need to answer is this. Well, why in the world do bad things happen in our lives, right? That's the question we got to make sense of in the next few moments. So if you're taking notes, let me give you three big reasons that bad things happen. Write this stuff down, all right? Um, First, sometimes bad things happen in our lives simply because we inflict pain upon ourselves. And we do this typically in one of two ways. 
Uh, First, we make sinful decisions. A sinful decision is any decision that you make that clearly contradicts the word of God. Right? We say this all the time here at Crosspoint. God has given us the commands he's given us in Scripture to lead us toward greater life, greater joy, greater freedom, not away from those things. And a sinful decision is when you look at the commands of God and you disregard them and disobey him. And the result is self-inflicted pain. This is why walking in sin is so stupid. I just want you to know, sin, it might be fun for a season, you might get by for a season, but it always ends badly. It will wreak destruction in your life. And I'll give you a couple practical examples of, of how this might play out, all right? Um, let's say maybe you're the person in the room who's like struggling in your marriage. And, and the reason you're struggling in your marriage is because either you or your spouse or both of you together have completely disregarded what God has to say about how to do marriage, So maybe you're the husband who, instead of loving your wife like Christ loves his church, instead of sacrificing for her, giving yourself up for her daily, maybe you're the husband that treats your wife like she's beneath you, right? And and instead of uh, giving, you're always taking. Maybe you're the wife in the room who, instead of respecting your husband and coming under his leadership and authority as the head of your marriage, as the Bible describes, just as the church would come under uh, Christ who is the head of the church. Maybe you're that wife who disrespects your husband all the time. You talk down to him. You belittle him. Uh, you, you use certain things in your marriage to try and lord over him or manipulate or control him. But can I just tell you, if I'm preaching to you, what you can't ever say is this. Well, everything happens for a reason. I guess all these marriage problems means that that God's really up to something good. Not really sure why God is is allowing us to go through all this, but but man, he must have something up his sleeve. Must be a blessing in disguise. Can I just tell you, God has nothing to do with your marriage problems. You get that, right? You have inflicted pain upon yourself and upon your marriage by choosing to disregard God and to instead walk in sin. Are you with me? Does this make sense? I'll give you another one. Um, If you're that person in the room who has a hard time keeping a job because you constantly disregard God's plan for how to work and and how to submit to those in authority, what you can't say is, well, everything happens for a reason. I guess God keeps taking me out of these jobs because he's got something up his sleeve, right? Blessing in disguise. I keep getting fired and fired and fired. Don't know what God's up to, but it must be something good. Again, look at me. Can I just tell you? God has nothing to do with your bad resume. He's not the one taking you out of all these jobs. That's on you. You cannot blame him for the consequences of your own sinful decisions. See, that's the rub here. Yes, God is sovereign. He's in control. Nothing that happens happens outside of of him. But at the same time, he allows us the ability to make choices each day. That's the rub. How how does God's sovereignty and human responsibility work together? Look, none of us can fully grasp that, but somehow it does. If you take a note, write this down. God doesn't cause sin. God doesn't use sin. God overcomes sin. God doesn't cause sin. God doesn't use sin. God overcomes sin. So if you're walking in sin and experiencing the consequences of your sinful actions, God isn't in it. But here's the great news. You ready? God still loves you. God still has a good plan for your life. And God in his grace can overcome the sin that you are currently walking in. And he can free you from its consequences. Isn't that good news? Look, the second way that we inflict pain upon ourselves is this. We make foolish decisions. 
Foolish decisions, they're different than sinful decisions. A foolish decision might not contradict the Word of God. It's just a bad decision. It's unwise. And I'll give you some examples, all right? Uh, Maybe you make a financial investment without checking out all the facts first. And as a result, you lose a ton of money along the way. Uh, Maybe you go into business with someone who you kind of know and you think you can trust, but, but somewhere along the way they start doing things to kill the business. They start betraying you, right? Some of us have been there. Uh, maybe you're the person like, like Davy and Goliath, right? You, you do the handlebar ride thing and it goes badly. Uh, you know, you get in your car one night after not uh, sleeping much the, the night before and you decide you're going to take a joy ride and you fall asleep behind the wheel and you wreck your car. What you can't say in a moment like that is everything happens for a reason. God must be up to something. No, look, you just made a bad choice. God wasn't in that. And what you can't do is blame the consequences of your foolish decisions on him. Are you with me? All right, look, the second reason that bad things happen in our lives is this. Simply because we live in a fallen world. This is huge. It doesn't matter who you are in the room this morning, follower of Jesus or not. I think we could all agree that something has gone very, very wrong in our world. Can we agree? Look, you don't have to look very far to find the evidence of what I'm talking about. Everywhere you look, there's violence, there's wars, there's poverty, there's suffering, there's injustice, there is disease. And the mistake people often make is this. They'll look at at a fallen world and they'll say, what kind of God would do all this? Please don't miss what I'm about to say. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Look, the condition of our present world is not the result of something God did. It's the result of something we did. You know that, right? Again, take a notes, write it down. The condition of our present world is not the result of something God did. It's the result of something we did. When God created the world in the beginning of time, he did so perfectly. All those things that we hate about our present world didn't exist back then. It was all working exactly how God had designed. That was until Adam and Eve, the first people that that God created, showed up on the scene and one day decided to, to defy God, to commit treason against him. They chose to abandon God's plan and to do life their way. And their one decision, their one sinful decision, literally fractured all of God's perfect creation. And our world has never been the same since. Their decision ushered sin and all of its consequences into our world, and it turned our enemy, the devil, loose to wreak havoc on our lives. And can I just tell you, it happened in a flash, in a moment. Do you know that the first story in the Bible after Adam and Eve sinned is the story of a bad guy murdering a good guy? Do you know that? It's the story of a guy who refused to love God and follow him, murdering his own brother who loved God and followed him. That's the world we live in. Can I just tell you, sin, sin is the result of our fallen world. Sin is the reason that we deal with things like cancer, like AIDS. It's the reason we deal with things like natural disasters that kill thousands of people all over the world. It's the reason we deal with poverty, with injustice. It's the reason kids are dying in other countries of starvation, of lack of clean water, of preventable causes. Sin being present in our world is the reason that marriages fall apart, children rebel. It's the reason some of us feel stuck in things like anxiety, depression, worry. And our default, when we're dealing with those things, when we see them, when we experience them, when we're walking with people who are walking through those things, cannot be, 
Everything happens for a reason. God must be up to something good. Must have something up his sleeve. This, this really bad thing must be a blessing in disguise. Again, look at me. Let's not forget that God is not responsible for the broken condition of our world we are. Now, I know the question some of us are asking right now. Here it is. Well, James, if what you're saying is true, bro, and if God's sovereign, and if he's in control, and if nothing that happens uh, happens outside of his power and control, then why doesn't he do something? Like, why does God just keep allowing our world to be the way it, it is? Like, why doesn't God just fix it all? Well, here's the good news and the answer to your question. You ready? He will. He will. Look at me. There is coming a day when Jesus Christ, our Savior and God, will return to this earth for a second time. And he's not coming back as a humble servant. He's coming back as a ruling king. And when he returns, look at me. Everything will be restored to the way that God originally designed it to be. Sin will be vanquished. Our enemy will finally be defeated. And the consequences of sin will be no more. I love what Larry Osborne says on this point. He says, when it comes to the consequences of our fallen world, God's offer is not immunity, it's eternity. Isn't that beautiful? Now, some of us might wonder, well, why doesn't God just hurry this eternity thing up? I'm ready for it to be here now. Well, can I just tell you why? Reason simple. The reason God keeps delaying is so that more of his former enemies can become his friends. That's why. Look at what 2 Peter 3, 9 has to say. I love this verse. Speaking about the second coming of Christ, God restoring and redeeming our broken world. And Peter says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. So for us to go, why doesn't God hurry up? Why doesn't he just fix it? It's not that God's moving slowly. It's not that God's like taking a nap and, and just not wanting to fix what's wrong. But look, he's being patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, what Peter's telling us is simple. God wants people who don't know him to know him. He wants people who are far from him to make their way back to him. He wants people who are spiritually dead to experience the spiritual life that he has to offer. I mean, think about this. You really want Jesus showing up and taking charge tomorrow? I mean, if a part of that thought sounds awesome, right? But if you're anything like me, you have people in your life. They're your coworkers. They're your neighbors. They're your family members. They're your friends. They are in deep need of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus comes back tomorrow to restore our broken world, the chances of them ever meeting him are gone. And so I don't know about you, but if God delaying another day means me having to deal with the brokenness of this world, but all the people in my life who I love who need Jesus having another chance to come back to him, I'd rather God delay. I'd rather him delay. The third reason that bad things happen in our lives at times is this. Because we choose to walk in obedience. It's hard for some of us to hear in it. I'm, I'm not going to dig into this too deeply because last week's message covered it uh, amazingly well. And so if you missed it, go back, crosspointcity.com, watch last week's message on valleys. And, uh, and, and that message covers this. But, but here's the big idea. Listen, at times walking in obedience to God will result in hardship and suffering. And here's why. <laughs> Because we live in a broken world full of sin and sinful people. And not everybody out there loves it when you and I choose to walk in obedience to God. 
That's why. This might mean practically you getting passed up for that promotion at work because you refuse to do the dishonest thing your boss wants you to do. Right? It might mean people saying awful, hurtful things about you in a very public manner because you choose to go with what the Bible says over what culture says on certain hot-button issues. Can I just tell you, in some places in the world, walking in obedience to God means your family disowning you, your possessions being stripped from you. In some places, walking in obedience to God means that you could lose your very life. And I know that that sounds hard. It's hard for some of us to swallow. But look, there's a couple things we need to take comfort in. Here they are. Ready? One, obedience pleases God. Even if no one else in your life is pleased with you for walking in obedience to God, you can know that by walking in obedience to God, God is pleased. And church, can we just agree? That's all that really matters at the end of the day, isn't it? You and I, we've got to choose every day to live our life for an audience of one. And the audience of one is our Heavenly Father. If we're living in obedience to Him, He's pleased. The second thing we can take comfort in is this, that obedience always leads to reward. I love it. This book teaches from cover to cover that God rewards those who obey Him. Now look, 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 look. You might not ever experience the reward of your obedience in this life. I just want to be honest with you. Like, I don't want us to ever uh, imply that, that uh, if you follow God, if you walk in obedience, that it's all going to be easy and it's health, wealth, and prosperity. That's garbage, right? I can tell you, though, that you walk in obedience to God, even if a reward isn't waiting on you in this life, it will be waiting on you in the next. And so here's my encouragement. No matter how good or bad life may get, let your response always be the same. Walk in obedience to Him. All right, now that we have some foundation for why it's dumb to believe that everything happens for a reason. Let me show you the smart thing to believe. All right, if you're taking notes, write it down. Here it is. This is the smart thing. That God can give reason to anything that happens. It's not that everything happens for a reason. It's that God can give reason to anything that happens. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and flip over to Romans chapter 8 with me. If you have a, a version app on a device, you can turn your Bibles on. Go to Romans chapter 8 with me. Uh, we're going to read some verses 28 through 30. Verse 28 in Romans chapter 8 is the verse that has been grossly misinterpreted and used by people all, throughout all time to, to suggest that everything happens for a reason. But as we're going to see in just a moment, that's not what this verse teaches at all. Instead, it teaches that God can give reason to anything that happens. And we're going to read it together, and I'm going to show you the difference, okay? So look, if you don't have anything with you, check it out. Here's what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now look at me. Look, I want you to see what it doesn't say. Nowhere in this verse does it say that everything that happens is good. Can we agree? Instead, what does it say? It says that God has a unique ability to work all things, no matter how bad they might be, for good. Can I just say that there are things that happen in our world every single day that are bad things, and they will never be good. And what we can't do is be the naive people that try and pretend like bad things are good things when they're actually bad things. I'll give you an example. This past week I was talking to my assistant about this message, and uh, she sent me a blog link. And uh, this blog post was written by a cancer survivor, this woman who had battled this disease and, and overcome it. 
And on her blog, she designed these different greeting cards that she said she wished people would have given her while she was walking through her her battle, her fight with cancer. And I'm going to show you my favorite. I thought it was awesome. Look at this. Please let me be the first to punch the next person who tells you everything happens for a reason. And then at the bottom, it just says, I'm sorry you're going through this. Don't you love that? Listen, I think we tend to over-spiritualize tragedy and hardship at times. Tragedy hits, accidents happen, people lose things or people in their lives that they love. And we tend to be those people that that feel like we need to come up with all the right answers to help them make sense of whatever it is they're going through. And so as a result, we'll start to say dumb things like, oh, well, well, ah, I know you can't see it now, but this is somehow going to turn out to be a good thing. It's going to work in your favor. We don't know what God's up to, but but we just got to trust this is a blessing in disguise. Everything happens for a reason. But can I just give you some practical advice? When you're walking with people through suffering and hardship, don't feel like you have to come up with all the right answers. And please, whatever you do, do not say to that person, everything happens for a reason. Instead, here's what you do. You ready? Just be there. Just be there. Romans 12, 15, I love what Paul says. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Can I just tell you, one of the greatest things that you can do for people in your life who are suffering is just to weep alongside them. And I'll never forget, back in 2004, what happened following uh, the car accident that almost took my brother's life. He was in college at the time, both of us were. He was involved in a head-on collision life lighted to Grady Hospital, put in ICU, given a 10% chance of survival. And I just remember my family were, were in this waiting room, and within a couple of hours, literally hundreds of people were there with us. And they came just to say, so sorry. I want to pray. I want to just weep alongside you. I can say to this day, look, almost... Uh, 11 years later, I can't remember a thing that anybody said to me in that waiting room. I can still tell you who was there, though. Because that's all that matters in moments of pain and hardship is presence. Presence matters. I know it sounds really cliche, but it's so true. When people are suffering and walking through hard times, they don't need a sermon. What they need is a friend. They don't really care how much you know. They just want to know how much you care. Be there. Be present. And it matters. Go back to the passage with me, all right? We're going to keep reading. Verse 28 again. It doesn't say that everything that happens is always good. It just says that God has a unique way of of taking anything that happens in our lives and working it for good. He can add reason to it, in other words. But I want you to notice. Look, I want you to notice. Let me go back to this if I can for a minute. I want you to notice he only does this for a specific type of person. This promise in verse 28, by the way, it's not for everyone. This is a conditional promise. Look at this. Who does God work all things together for good for? Those who love him. And people who love him according to the Bible are those people who obey his commands. And also those people who are called according to to his purpose. So let me fast forward back to verses 28 and 29 because, uh, I'm sorry, 29 and 30. These verses help to make sense of who those people are that are called according to God's purpose. 
You can't read verse 28 in Romans 8 without reading the verses that follow, by the way. Right? Verse 28 makes no sense when you take it apart from verses 29 through 30. So if, if you ever are tempted to quote this to somebody, quote the whole thing, all right? You got to remember it all fits together. Context matters. Keep reading. For those whom he foreknew, this is speaking of God, he also predestined Scary word for some of us, right? To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I've had people ask me all the time as a pastor, James, do you believe in predestination? Some of you have asked me that. And as a pastor, I always say the same thing. I say, well, I kind of have to because the Bible says it's a thing. Now, again, that's a different message for a different day. Some of us were getting uncomfortable in our seats. Where is he about to go? Look, different message for a different day. I don't have time to get into all this today, what it means. But I will just tell you briefly what Paul's saying. He's saying that before our lives began, God had a predetermined destination in mind for us. And that destination is Christ-likeness. According to Paul, Jesus, he's just the first of a bunch of Jesus juniors, if you will. He is our big brother, and God has always desired to make you and I like him. And the way that God gets us to that destination, well, Paul tells us, he justifies us. That word justification means this, if you take a notes. It means that Jesus has saved me from my sin. And, and, and even more so, let me say it like this. Jesus has saved me from the penalty of my sin. What's the penalty of sin? Those church people. Death, right? Heard somebody say it right away. Physical death and spiritual death. Well, here's the good news. Because of what Christ has done for us through his life, death, and resurrection, we can be free from that penalty. By placing our faith in Jesus' perfect life, his, his sinless death, his death that was in our place, and his resurrection, his overcoming the grave to bring us new and eternal life, We can be saved from the penalty of sin, and when we trust in Jesus as our God and Savior, the Bible teaches that Jesus justifies us. Another way to think about justification is this. Jesus makes it just as if I'd never sinned. In other words, when we put our faith in in, uh, Him as our Savior, Jesus presents us to God, our Father, as people who look blameless, holy, righteous. God starts to see us just like He sees Jesus even though we're not just like him. Isn't that unbelievable? This is why justification is such a beautiful thing. But not only does he justify us, Paul also says that he glorifies us. That word uh, glorified, it just means this, that Jesus will save me from the presence of sin. So justification, past tense. Jesus has saved me from the penalty of sin. Glorification, this is a future promise. Uh, Jesus will save me from the presence of sin. Right, I touched on this earlier, that there's coming a day when God's going to take us out of this broken world to be with him. He's going to restore all that's here. We're going to live in his eternal kingdom. And part of that glorification process means you and I becoming just like Jesus. We're going to live in a brand new resurrected body just like the one he received at his resurrection. Sin will be no more. We won't struggle with it. We'll never feel pain again. We'll never go through tragedy again. We'll never fear death again. We'll experience life in the way God meant it to be. And we'll know perfect fellowship with him for the rest of eternity. Now look, in between justification and glorification is this process that the Bible calls sanctification. 
And here's sanctification. Sanctification means that Jesus is saving me from the power of sin. This is a present process. It starts the moment you put your faith in Christ as Savior, and it doesn't end until that day you finally see Jesus face to face. You see, sanctification is about your holiness. It's about God going to work in your life each and every day to transform you and conform you more and more and more into the image of his son. So let's put a bow on it. You ready? Those people who are called according to God's purpose are those people who who have been saved, are being saved, and will be saved. People who are called according to God's purpose have been set free from the penalty of sin. They are being set free right now currently from the power of sin. And they have the hope one day of being set free from the presence of sin. Are you with me? Now, why am I telling you all this? Well, because this is exactly the process Paul's talking about when he says God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Can I just tell you that promise was never meant to mean this. Whenever I go through bad things in life, God's going to work it all out. It's going to be fine. Somehow I'm going to end up with a better job, a nicer car, a bigger house, a bigger bank account. It's not what the promise means. This is not a promise of of, uh, earthly solution. This is a promise related to God's eternal purpose and plan for your life, which is, again, to make you more and more and more and more like his son, Jesus Christ, each and every day. Here's the promise. You ready? God's saying to us in his word, no matter what you go through, No matter how hard life may get, no matter what tragedy you face, no matter how you suffer, no matter the foolish, sinful decisions you make along the way, if you love me and if you have been called according to my purpose, even when things in life do not work out, you better believe I'm behind the scenes figuring out a way to work whatever it is you're facing and going through for my good eternal purpose of making you more like my son Jesus. Isn't that good news? And as he makes us more like his son Jesus, he can use our sinful, foolish decisions. He can use our tragedies, our trials, and our suffering to put himself on display through our lives. God will never let anything that we go through go to waste. He'll always use it for his eternal purpose. Make us more like Jesus and to bring him to himself. That's the promise. Again, it's not that everything happens for a reason. It's that God can give reason to anything that happens in our lives. So here's what I thought I'd ask us to do in light of these truths today. I just thought I'd ask our church to make some uh, agreements with one another, okay? I'm just going to read these. Can we all agree to stop calling the devil's doing God's handiwork? Can we agree to that? Can we agree to stop blaming the consequences of our fallen world on God? Can we agree to stop calling evil good and to just call it what it is? Can some of us agree to stop pointing fingers at God for our self-inflicted pain? Can we agree to, to remember that when bad things happen, that God loves us and that nothing can derail his eternal purposes and plans for our lives? Can we agree? Can we agree to not let our trials and tragedies go to waste by bailing on God, by walking away from him, but to instead allow him to use everything that happens in our lives, no matter how bad it may be, to make us more like Christ so that he can put himself on display through us? And finally, church, look, can we just agree to stop telling people who are walking through pain and hardship that everything happens for a reason like it's actually true?
Here's how we're going to close. Just a second, Matt's going to come back up. He's going to play a song just by himself, him and his guitar. We're going to keep it quiet in the room. And we're going to have our response team and our pastors and directors who are present in this room at the front. And here's what we want to do. If you're suffering, if you're walking through a hard time, if you're facing tragedy and trial, and you're having a hard time making sense of it, we just want to pray for you. That's all. We don't want to try and explain your problems away. We're not going to try to over-spiritualize whatever it is you're facing. We just want to invite you in this moment to come and to let someone in this room who loves you and cares about you to pray over you and to pray that God would keep his promise to add reason to whatever it is that you're facing in life. And then secondly, look, look, if you're the person in the room right now who walked in and you don't know Jesus, like you've never put your faith in him as Savior and Lord, here's the bad news. These promises, they're not good for you. They don't apply. But the great news is this. They can apply in a blink of an eye. By you putting your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, these promises can become yours today before you walk out of this room. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how bad your life is jacked up. God invites you to come to him. And what he wants to do is restore you and redeem you and make you a love son or daughter. And so I would just invite you, if you need to make that decision to put faith in Jesus, come and talk to one of the people that are going to be standing at the front of this room in just a moment. And let us help you take that step today, all right? Can we just pray? If you would, just bow your heads all over the room. And as you're doing that, I'm going to invite our response team, our pastors and directors in the room to come and get in their places. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to finish reading Romans 8 to you. Just listen. Let these words just wash over you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, would you have your way? God, there are so many Sundays where I feel like people, we come to this moment and we sit in fear and we don't take a step we need to. God, I'm just praying, tear down the walls today. Tear down the walls today, God. Give us the courage we need as we stand in a moment just to move out of our seats and, and to come and ask for prayer if that's what we need. And, and God, if people need you, if they need Jesus, if they need salvation, give them the courage they need to take a step today. Do not worry about what people might think or, or say. God, who cares? It doesn't matter. God, just have your way in our lives. God, we're trusting you to do something in this place that only you can do. God, we love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, and if you need prayer, just come. Just come. These people are ready for you.